तपो क्षीण पापान शातारागिण
I may wind up doing things that go against the existing order. And that is what we call a sin, if you want to use that word. A sin is an action that goes against the existing order, that disturbs the harmony. Unfortunately, what happens is, whenever I disturb the harmony that is without, it rebounds back in terms of disturbing the harmony within. And therefore, what we call sin ultimately results into some kind of conflict. <coughs> therefore, it becomes an obstacle. So, all the actions performed that go against the existing harmony or order, all those actions are something that go against my own nature. Because ultimately, what is the harmony? That Atma is the harmony. Brahman is the harmony. That alone is Ananda, the order is nothing but the self. So I am of the nature of harmony in the ultimate sense. And when I want to be happy, it is that harmony that I want to achieve. But when I compromise the means or the action, then I am going against that very harmony which I want to achieve. That's just ignorance. Not knowing that the harmony is my own nature, and it is something to be discovered or owned up. I think that harmony will be created. Harmony is not something to be created, it is something that is already there. Like beauty is not something to be created, it is something that is already there. It is to be seen. Harmony is something to be seen, or beauty is something to be seen. However, I want to create harmony by some kind of an external configuration, and therefore I associate harmony or happiness with a situation. And to create the situation, I adopt certain means. And very often, those means are not in keeping with the existing order. Then, I am going against the order. And when I go against the order, well, I am rubbed by the order, very same order. And that is what creates a conflict today or tomorrow. And that, that is what becomes an obstacle. So, basically, how do we recognize an obstacle? Anything that creates a conflict in our mind, anything that becomes, that comes in the way of abiding of the mind. And that is the obstacle. So what we call sin, that is in Sanskrit here called durita. So all this durita, they are all the actions or the thoughts which we may have entertained, which go against the very harmony. And the, now they become obstacles to me by creating a conflict. And therefore, and everybody has this. If we didn't have this, we would not be born. Even the human birth also is a result of a mixture of punya and papa, virtue and vice. So everyone has to overcome these obstacles. And the method of overcoming these obstacles, which we do not know the causes. We do not know the causes of the obstacles. We find that my mind is bothered, that there are conflicts, and there are all kinds of things in my mind, this is what we find. Why We might be able to trace them to some local cause or not, but still, the ultimately, whatever obstacles we experience have come from going against the established order. And therefore an action that is in keeping with the order will be able to neutralize this durita or this obstacle, understand? So we have to inject in our system an influence that neutralizes a negative influence. And that is called, that is tapasthariya here. So certain kind of actions we deliberately perform in order to neutralize that negative effect. And that will be called tapaha, in this case austerity. Tapovihi kshinapapanam. So tapasthariya is a deliberate action that is in keeping with the harmony. And that definitely requires a tendency on my part to compromise that harmony or compromise the values. <coughs> and so karma yoga is a whole tapascharya. Karma yoga means what we call kartavya or dharma, the duty. This duty is whole tapascharya or penance throughout the life. Because whenever you want to perform, whenever you want uh, to perform your duty, then you have to take into account the requirements of other people. That's the whole concept of duty, that I do something because I should do it, because the situation requires it, or I try to fulfill the needs of others. So duty towards parents would be fulfilling their needs. Duty towards family, 
would be fulfilling their needs. Duty towards anything else would be fulfilling their needs. So duty amounts to an offering all along. And this, this whole idea of offering, giving up tyaga, renunciation is automatically involved in this process of duty. And therefore, even while performing action also one constantly renounces. And therefore, what we wind up renouncing ultimately is the so-called Raga Dveshas. Both of them are called Durita. Raga also is an obstacle, Dvesha also is an obstacle. Both of them keep my mind distracted. Both of them keep my mind away from myself. Because when I long for something, I think of that object. At that time, I cannot think of Atma. Because mind is occupied with the object. When I hate something, again the mind is occupied with the object which I hate. In both cases, my mind is not abiding. Mind is not with myself. So both Raga and Dvesha, they are the obstacles, they are called Durita. And any kind of a lifestyle which involves giving up with Raga Dvesha would be called Yoga. So when karma or action becomes a means for me to slowly get rid of this Raga Dveshas, then that karma will become yoga. And therefore, this whole idea of karma yoga is built into the Vedic uh, concept of nitya naimitrika karma, the daily and occasional obligatory duties. The whole idea of obligation arises only from that, that I have an obligation to fulfill in my life. There is an obligation towards Pitrus, the ancestors, there is an obligation to the rishis, the sages, there is an obligation to devatas, the gods, or the elemental forces, all of which are responsible for my life. Thus there is a recognition that I am a part of the whole, I become, I am the one link in the whole chain of the universe, and therefore my life should reflect that awareness. It should not be a life which is merely centered on myself, with, with, without regard to what is the effect of what I do or what I do not do? So we do take into account this whole thing that when I do something, it has an effect upon things other than me. Or when I don't do something, then also it has an effect upon, I mean, things other than me. So in deciding whether I should do something or not do something, both of these, when I take into account the effect that it will have, then more often than not, I have to sacrifice what I like to do, and instead of that, I should do what I should be doing. So this what I should do becomes more important than what I like to do. Or, same way, what I should do becomes more important than what I should not, I do not like to do, and so on and so forth. And this, this whole idea of karma, with the idea of duty or obligation, brings about a constant, I mean, need to constantly give up the Shraddha Therefore, it is said here in the Sthika, Nitya Naimittika Iheva Kuruvano Duritaksham Iti Vachanat. And therefore, it is said that this man brings about Duritakshaya, Kshaya or exhaustion of Ragadveshas, those which are obstacles to abiding mind. Because abiding mind is, in, is, is, is a means for contemplation, means for knowledge. So, first level of obstacle is the Ragadvesha. The second level of obstacle is ignorance. But it's necessary that mind should be free from that first level of obstacle. So it is said, Kuruvano Duritakshayam Atahaiva Shantanam When the mind becomes relatively free from this pulse of likes and dislikes, from internal conflicts, then mind becomes quiet. Shantanam becomes an abiding mind or becomes a quiet mind. A mind which enjoys a certain poise, or equanimity. <coughs> so understand, that is elimination of obstacle. Before we eliminate the ultimate obstacle called the ignorance, we have to eliminate the products of ignorance. And the most visible or evident product of ignorance is Raga and Dvesha, longing and hatred. <coughs> so the mind which becomes free from these longings, mind that becomes free from the hatred, therefore says, Vitaragina. The consequence of this is Vitaraga. Vitaraga means one who is devoid of Raga. Raga means longing. The mind that is free from longing. 
And whenever we say Vita Ragina, we should also say Vita Dveshina, obviously. The Raga is always accompanied with Dvesha, and therefore freedom from Raga would also mean freedom from Dvesha. <coughs> Traditional definition of Vita Raga is Iha Mutrata Halabhoga Rahitanam. Those people who are Halabhoga Rahitanam, those who are devoid of enjoyments, enjoyments of karmaphala, enjoyments of the objects, here or hereafter. Iha in this world, Amutra in the other world. So, one who is free from the fascination of the sensuous pleasure. The mind which is free from the need for acquiring pleasure from objects of the world. If mind constantly finds a need, it will always run out. And therefore, it's an extrovert mind. Thinking of the objects, all the time planning of what's the next pleasure going to come from, and that mind is not an abiding mind. And so, Vitaraginam, those people who are free from the pulls of Raga and Dvesha. <coughs> so, this Vairagya, Vitaraga also means Vairagya, is the most important qualification. Although Vairagya or freedom from likes and dislikes, or freedom from attachment is a product of Viveka, a discrimination, but then alone we know that our discrimination or our ability to understand life has really, is, is mature only when it results into freedom from the longing and hatreds. That is called Vitaraga Vairagya. <coughs> It is not discussed in this text, in Tattvavada it will discuss how Vairagya comes from an understanding of life, Nitya Nitya Viveka. So what I want in life and uh, in awareness or understanding what is it that I am seeking in life is required before the mind can become free from its fascination from other things. <coughs> so Vitaragana Mamukshunam. What the Mamukshus Samsara Granthivedane so those who are desirous of liberation. So those who are fired up with the desire, it's a burning desire to be liberated, burning desire to be free. And that's not easy to come. Most people still think that life, you know, that desire to become free from the samsara, free from the pain or suffering does not come. A desire to be free from this life of limitation. So limitations don't bother us that much. We seem to be quite happy with them. We seem to be quite happy with it's all right, it doesn't matter. No, when it counts, and then when I just cannot stand that sense of limit, I just want to be free. So when freedom becomes the most important thing for me, then I'm a mamukshum. Otherwise, well, I want a comfortable life also, and I want this kind of a situation also, and I want this kind of pleasures also, and then I want freedom also. So when that freedom or moksha is one of the things, well then it just remains, this remains one of the activities. When that becomes the thing, I don't know anything but freedom, then that will be called mumukshu, one who in, with an intense desire for freedom. And of course, it requires a further understanding that the freedom can come only by knowledge and not by doing something. That's another thing, that moksha is something that is already accomplished. Moksha means freedom, is my nature. And that freedom is something to be discovered and not something to be achieved. Freedom is an existing fact of life. Muktoham, I am already free. So to discover that fact or knowledge of that moksha of freedom is the way to gain freedom. And not that freedom is something to be created. Meaning we understood that freedom is not to be associated with a certain situation. Freedom is not to be associated with a configuration or a setup. Freedom is my nature. It's not the nature of a setup. I will become free when a particular setup is created. Well then, again, I will always be attempting to create that setup. No, freedom is something to be discovered because it is there right now. So when this maturity also arises, that moksha can be there only when there is knowledge of moksha or knowledge of atman. 
then that mumukshu or desires of freedom becomes a jignasu, desires of knowledge. So between mumukshu and jignasu, there is what we call a link of viveka, link of a discriminative understanding. That it is knowledge alone that can give rise to freedom and nothing else. Those people who are interested in Vedanam, destruction of Granthi, the knots of samsara. So many knots are there, so many complexes are there. When I realize that bondage is nothing but bondage of all these notions or complexes, so many notions that I entertain, so many uh, complexes that I have, that alone is bondage. There is nothing, no other bondage. And that is what we call Granthi, a knot. Not with Atma and Anatma, Chit and Jada, Self and Non-Self. Self, which is of the nature of consciousness, is joined with what we call body, which is of the nature of Anatma, the non you know, the non-self. Somehow there is the Satya Anurta, Mithuni Karanam, a wedlock between Satya and Anurta, between real and the unreal between Atma and Anatma, between subject and object, this Granthi, that knot that has come about, which is what creates the sense of Aham, what we call Aham or I-ness, the limited, the sense of limitation is due to the Granthi, due to this joining of Atma and Anatma. Samsara Granthi Vedane Krita Prayatnanam So those who are making Prayatna, Prayatna means Prakrishtaha Yatnaha, those people are making most exalted effort. So it is also to be recognized that this requires an effort. It won't happen just like that. If you leave the situation to itself, well, moksha is not going to come. An effort, a deliberate effort, and a proper effort is needed. Krita prayatnanam yathokta sadhana sampannanam And those people who are endowed with Yathokta sadhana, all the sadhanam mean those people who are endowed with this inner preparation, the preparation of the mind, what you might call a maturity. Mature, ultimate maturity is this recognition that it is knowledge that alone can give me freedom. Pariksha lokan karma, that's the maturity. The pariksha happens. Pariksha lokan karma chitan brahmana nirveda mayat nasta krita there is nothing in the creation that is uncreated. Everything is created. And anything that is created is going to be limited because that which is created was not there at a given time and will not be there at some other time. So anything that is created is limited in time. And what is limited in time also is limited in place. And everything in the creation is of this nature. So nothing in the creation can ever give me what I am seeking. And so a vairagya, a dispassion for that. <coughs> Thus, those who possess this sampatti, sampatti means wealth, those who are endowed with this inner wealth of viveka vairagya, tesham for them, I am atma bodha vidhyate. So, mumukshunam apekshyoyam, the text says, which word is not explained here, but apekshya, that which is desirable for them that which is hoped for by them, that which is wanted by them, that the knowledge that the mamukshus want, a knowledge which will be a blessing, which will be for the help of the mamukshus. So, I am Atma Bodha, Vijayate, this text called Atma Bodha, whose subject matter also is Atma Bodha, meaning the self-knowledge. Vijayate, Vijimukhena, Avashyakataya Pratipadhyade Ityartaha. Pratipadhyade, avashyakataya pratipadhyade is expounded here. Avashyakataya is something that is necessary. So, vidhimukhena pratipadhyade, vidhiyate. This is enjoined, this is something that is recommended. This is something that is presented to the students of the mamukshus, the seekers of knowledge, as something that is necessary. Because there is a need in them to gain this knowledge, and therefore, this Atma Bodha is, this text is composed here, for the seekers of knowledge as something that is necessary, something that is necessary to be known and implemented. <coughs> so thus the first verse 
here gives us what we call Anubandha Chatushtam, as we said yesterday, the fourfold factors, that Atma Bodha, the knowledge of self, is a very subject matter. This is what we would expect in this text. The text will discuss, expound this topic of Atma Bodha, self-knowledge. For whom? Mumukshunam. Those people who have a strong desire for freedom and those who have therefore discovered the need for knowledge. <coughs> Why is it done? Mumukshunam again, because they desire moksha or freedom in order that they can attain liberation. But how do you think they will attain liberation? Atma bodha, by the knowledge. So that very knowledge, the knowledge of the self itself is the direct means for moksha. There is nothing intervening. There is no intervening factor now between the knowledge and moksha. And therefore knowledge is the direct means, sadhanam, for moksha, which is sadhya. And therefore, this, the, the subject matter and the prayojana, the purpose, they enjoy a relationship of what we call sadhana and sadhya. The knowledge is sadhanam, moksha is sadhya. Or atma bodha. This text called atma bodha becomes a means for the knowledge that is Atma Bodha. That's another relationship. The relationship between the text and the knowledge is, this is the Pratipadaka and that is Pratipadya. Knowledge is that which is taught and the, and the text is something which teaches that. So these words of this text become the means for the knowledge. <coughs> and nothing else is to be required in between also. Meaning, this text is a Pramana Grantha. Because it is a part of the body of the knowledge called Vedanta. And the whole Vedanta is considered to be Pramanam. And therefore, Vedanto Nama Upanishad Pramanam, the first statement of uh, Vedanta Saraham, that what we call Vedanta is Pramanam, is a valid means of knowledge in, in respect of Atma. In respect of Atma, so self, which is not within the range of perception, so that which is not within the range of available means of knowledge, for that Vedanta is Pramanam. Which is its source in Upanishad. So we would call that body of knowledge as Vedanta, which derives its basis from Upanishad, which is a source book. So Brahma Sutra also is called Vedanta, and Bhagavad Gita also is called Vedanta, and even the Bhashya of Shankaracharya on this text also is called Vedanta, and all such other Prakrana Granthas, all these such texts, which are written to explain certain ideas in detail, all of them are called Vedanta. And therefore, all of them also become the Pramanam, the means of knowledge. <coughs> Having said this, now, continuing with the second verse, there is a question. Nanu, tapo, mantra, karma, yogadi, aneka sadhaneshu satsu, moksham prati, Bodha eva kimiti pradhanyana uchareti. Question. Why do you say Bodha eva kimiti pradhanyana uchareti? Why do you recommend or why do you say that Bodha or knowledge, that alone is a means for knowledge? Pradhanyana uchareti. That is a direct means of knowledge or the prince, I mean direct means of moksha, the principal means of moksha, the liberation is knowledge. Why do you say that? There are so many things. Tapaha, austerities. So tapa means penance. And it is known in the history that by penance one can achieve anything. There is nothing that one cannot achieve through penance. Through penance such sages as Vishwamitra and others have attained even the ability to create a new world. And so there is a saying in Sanskrit, there is a verse which says by penance you can achieve anything which cannot be achieved by any other means. They have moved mountains, there are all kinds of stories. Mountains have been moved from one place to other. That is the, that kind of an ability or power or the strength the penance has. Because penance makes the mind so strong, the willpower, that with that man can achieve anything. So why not this moksha also? Why not with tapasya or penance that we can achieve this moksha or liberation? Why not? Or mantra. Mantra is all these sacred formulas, the mystical formulas you may call them, because we don't know exactly how the thing has an effect upon you. But when you keep on repeating a certain mantra, in the manner in which it should be done with certain attitude, then mantra also, the Vidivesh mantras are also found to have just amazing effects. 
they can bring about amazing results. That's the reason why in a place like India, the chanting of mantras is very common. You have, there is some disease, there is some business there, there is something to accomplish, something to avoid it, whatever. There is always something. So, you chant certain, some planets are also not favorable, no problem. There is a mantra for every planet. And so you, you try to appease them, please them. So with mantra also, anything can be accomplished. Karma. There are rituals, which also, with the rituals, you can get anything again. You want heavens? Well, here is the ritual. You want Brahma-loka? Well, there are also karma and upasanas. So, there are rituals and meditations with which all kinds of results are stated to be achievable. And there is yoga. Yoga is this Ashtanga Yoga, Patanjali Yoga, with which also you can achieve so many powers, so many siddhis, so, so many accomplishments, all these are very powerful means. Tapasarya, mantraha, karma, yoga, all of these are well known as very powerful means to attain things in life. And we find people today also attaining with karma. With action, man has attained what all? He has created heavens, you know, where there would have been perhaps a desert. And so all these achievements are a result of karma. And also a result of tapaha or, or penance which many great scientists have performed and many people have performed in the creation of things. So tapasya is there, karma is there, yoga, life of self-control is there. So we know that these are the means for attainment of so many things in life. Aneka sadhaneshu tatsu, when so many sadhana, when so many means are available, moksham prati bodha eva kimidit pradhanyana uchare. Then why do you insist that? as far as moksha is concerned, as far as liberation of freedom is concerned, that knowledge, bodha means knowledge, that alone is a means, that alone is a direct means, or the most important means, why do you insist upon that? <coughs> so in this question, it is said, the second verse, also very famous verse, bodhonya sadhane bhyohi Sakshan Mokshaika Sadhanam Pakasya Vanni Vajnanam Vina Mokshona Siddhyate Bodha Anya Sadhane Bihahi Sakshat Mokshaika Sadhanam Pakasya Vannivat Jnanam Vina Moksha Nasidhyati Anya Sadhana Ibiha So with reference to other means that are available such as Tapaha then Mantra, Karma, Yoga so many other Sadhanam or means are available they are all spiritual means so with reference to many spiritual means that are available, spiritual practices that are available, bodha sakshat moksha eka sadhanam, knowledge is direct means, moksha eka sadhanam, the only means, only direct means for moksha is this knowledge. So amongst many spiritual practices or spiritual means that are available to us, knowledge of the self is one direct means for moksha. How? Gives illustration. Pākasya vannivat. Vannihi pākasya sākshāt eka sādhanam. So vannihi sākshāt pākaika sādhanam. Vannihi means fire. It's sākshāt, direct means. And the only direct means for cooking. Pāka means cooking. Just as fire is the one direct means for cooking. And nothing else will accomplish cooking. Similarly, jnanam vina mokshaha na siddhyati, vannim vina pakaha na siddhyati, tatha jnanam vina mokshaha na siddhyati. Just as you cannot accomplish cooking without fire, and so also you cannot accomplish moksha or freedom without knowledge. <coughs> Look at the tika here. Tapo mantra karma yoga adi sadhanani paramparaya 
क्रमेण ज्ञान द्वारा मोक्षम साधयन्ती वी डू नॉट से दैट दोस अदर प्रैक्टिसेस सच एज पैनन्स रिचुअल्स चैंटिंग इनकैंटेशंस और योगा दैट दीज आर नॉट यूजफुल वी डोंट से दैट दे हैव नो प्लेस और दे डोंट कंट्रीब्यूट एनीथिंग टू मोक्षा दे डू एक्सेप्ट दैट दे आर नॉट डायरेक्ट मीन्स फॉर मोक्षा that indirect means for moksha all of them are fine in as much as they create the necessary ground for the knowledge to take place all of them contribute into the creating that purity of the mind or creating the single pointedness of the mind drushyatu andriya buddhya sukshmaya sukshma darshibhi atma can be seen by one who is sukshma darshi one who has that subtle intellect अग्रिया बुद्धिया एंड सिंगल पॉइंटेड इंटेलेक्ट सूक्ष्मया बुद्धिया द इंटेलेक्ट दैट इज सटल सो सटलिटी इज रिक्वायर्ड एंड सिंगल पॉइंटेडनेस इज रिक्वायर्ड दिस इज द टू रिक्वायरमेंट्स इन द माइंड एंड टू क्रिएट दैट सिंगल पॉइंटेडनेस योगा इज एक्सट्रीमली नेसेसरी योगा और तपश्चर्या मंत्र ऑल ऑफ दिस हेल्पस इन क्रिएटिंग एकाग्रता और सिंगल पॉइंटेडनेस द माइंड दे ऑल्सो हेल्प इन वॉट यू कॉल सटलिटी और शुद्धि अंतकरण शुद्धि और प्योरिटी ऑफ द माइंड मंत्र कैन ब्रिंग अबाउट प्योरिटी ऑफ द माइंड एज ए डिस्कसिंग लास्ट नाइट वेरी मंत्र इट सेल्फ हैज एन इफेक्ट अपॉन माय पर्सनालिटी वी जस्ट चैन राम 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 और वॉट एवर एंड दैट इट सेल्फ दैट होल शास्त्र अबाउट इट हाउ द साउंड क्रिएट्स वाइब्रेशन एंड हाउ द वाइब्रेशन अल्टीमेटली हैव एन इफेक्ट ऑन माई पर्सनैलिटी सो लॉट ऑफ रिसर्च ऑल्सो इज गोइंग एट द मोमेंट बट एनी वे so this austerities this chanting of the mantra sacred formulas rituals yoga all these practices bring about a purification of mind as well as a concentration or single pointedness of the mind they do and that is how they are also necessary in the whole process of evolution or the whole process of growth but paramparaya kramena jnana dwara moksham sadhayanti क्रमेण परंपरा बाय परंपरा इन डायरेक्टली सो दे डू नॉट डायरेक्टली बिकम द मीन्स फॉर मोक्ष बट देन दे क्रिएट द नेसेसरी कंडीशन फॉर नॉलेज बिकॉज नॉलेज रिक्वायर्स वॉट यू कॉल विचार एन इंक्वायरी विद द हेल्प ऑफ उपनिषद विद द हेल्प ऑफ स्क्रिप्चर्स एंड दैट इंक्वायरिंग माइंड इज वॉट यू रिक्वायर एंड दैट माइंड मस्ट बी मस्ट हैव लीजर दैट माइंड मस्ट हैव a poise that mind must be contemplative so to create this contemplative disposition of the mind a leisure of the in objectivity mind that is free from preconceived notions is very necessary mind that is free from prejudices preconceived notions a need to hold on to something a mind is free which can give up anything which will not hold on to any notion at all that kind of an objective free mind is required no complexes at all it's a very fantastic thing to have and that mind of course we can acquire by what we call karma yoga etc by mantra chanting and so on and it shows all of these can help to create that frame of mind but and that frame of mind is necessary for vichara for for inquiry or contemplation upon the statements of the scriptures and that alone gives rise to knowledge vedantartha vicharana jayate gnanam uttamam that knowledge can be born or knowledge can arise only as a result of the vichara or inquiry or contemplation upon these statements of vedanta not otherwise <coughs> so knowledge is not something that is some kind of miracle that it will just happen it's not a miracle it is something that is a result of a deliberate effort so vichara is 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 direct means for moksha and that vichara itself requires a mind which mind can be acquired by all these other auxiliary means and so we admit that this tapah etc karma mantra etc they are all auxiliary means but not direct means so kramena jnana dwara moksham sadhayanti they do become the indirect means for attainment of moksha by giving rise to a condition which is conducive for knowledge and then through knowledge they become the means of moksha so knowledge is the direct means of moksha 
ज्ञानंतु स्वजन्म मात्रालेव अज्ञानम निश्चेषम नाशयित्वा मुमुक्षून स्वाराज्ये अभिषेचति ज्ञानंतु हावेवर दिस नॉलेज तो मीन्स हावेवर स्वजन्म मात्रालेव नियरली बाय स्वजन्म जन्म मीन्स बर्थ so knowledge merely by its own birth meaning when then of course karma would have been the direct means but since moksha is my nature it is already it is something that is already accomplished therefore knowledge can only become the direct means like the tenth man that you are the tenth man the knowledge of the tenth man alone can become the means for achievement of the tenth man mumukshun swarajya abhishechati what does the knowledge do abhishechati it it uh, it places this mumukshu on a, on the throne of swarajya he becomes a swaraj he becomes a sovereign therefore the knowledge establishes him in uh, in the state of sovereignty so this wise man becomes a sovereign so it's called swarajyam swarajyam one's own rajya one's own kingdom he becomes a sovereign he becomes a, a totally free a master of everything because one who is master of one's own mind becomes master of the whole world as a matter of fact not if not in political sense definitely in the sense that he is the freedom or he is mastery because the world can only make me a slave if i am already a slave of my mind if i am free in my own mind nothing ever can really make me dependent to make me a slave this this mumukshu or the seeker of knowledge becomes swaraj becomes a sovereign so the knowledge in fact makes him raise rise to the level of the I mean makes him a sovereign and that's how other things will enable him to prepare but this knowledge is that which gives him the ultimately what is seeking ataha anya sadhanaibhyah jnanasya pradhanya muktam and therefore any sadhana bhi hai compared to the other other means or other practices jnanasya pradhanya muktam knowledge is pradhanam is a direct means for moksha tadeva drashtantena dridhayati this very same idea as to how how knowledge is the one direct means for moksha dridhayati that idea is made from by drashtan the vine illustration so this text also excels in illustrations almost every word gives us an illustration beautiful illustration pakasya vannivat yathaloke pachanakriyaya kaasth jalabhandaadi sadaneshu satsuvi vannimina pakah nasidhyavi tadvat ज्ञानम विना मोक्षो न सिद्ध्यति इत्यर्थः यथालोके जस्ट एज इन द वर्ल्ड जस्ट एज इन आवर कॉमन एक्सपीरियंस पचनक्रियायाः पचनक्रिया मींस द एक्ट ऑफ कुकिंग काष्ठ जल भांडादि साधनेषु सत्सु अपि कुकिंग ए थिंग लाइक खिचड़ी व्हिच इज राइस एंड दाल एंड व्हाट एवर फ्यू स्पाइसेस एटसेट्रा to cook khichdi you require kaashtha you require firewood imagine that there is a fire that is set up firewood is required jala water is required in which this dal and rice must be soaked bhanda means a vessel is required so you require the vessel also you require many other things dal and rice and, and then water and some spices and firewood all these things will be required teshu satsuvapi in spite of all these factors being there vannindana pakah nasidhyati but without fire the khichdi cannot be cooked so fire is absolutely required for cooking the meal otherwise you cannot cook cooking itself requires fire from you know these days we can cook we can sprout you know so maybe we can find exceptions nowadays that we can cook or without cooking also we can eat you know understand that the food that comes to us has already been cooked who cooks that 
a grand fire cooks them. Who is that? The sun. Sun is a fire. Who cooks the food which is in the, in the field. Already food has been cooked by fire. You don't require any more other fire and they already have fire inside. In fact, there are three stages of cooking. First cooking is done by the fire in the fields. Second cooking is done by the fire, by the sun. Second cooking is done by the fire in our kitchen. And third cooking is done by the fire in our stomach. And so cooking all along is being done. They say that even if you, you should skip that step in between of cooking in the kitchen, you must directly consume whatever is cooked by nature. So nature cooks food for us. And the nature in, in the form of the stomach fire also completes the cooking. So just as without the fire, cooking cannot be complete. <coughs> Vannimvira pakahana siddhati That does not mean that you do not require rice and dal and water and other things. You do require them. And if you keep on lighting a fire without having anything, that's not going to work also. And so preparation is all required. All those things must be very carefully prepared. All proportions must be observed. There is always proportion of rice and dal, how much water should be added and so on and so forth. All of this is there which you should take into account and you should accomplish. But fire is that which directly cooks. So vannimina pādhāna siddhari tadvat jñānamina mokṣahana siddhari Similarly also without knowledge you cannot accomplish moksha. That does not mean that other means sadhana are not required. Preparations are required. That is not the subject matter of this text. Therefore we don't call it a shastra. It is a prakarana grantha because this text addresses itself to one aspect of the shastra. It doesn't talk here about Adhikaritam, except in the first verse it talked about Adhikaritam, all right, but otherwise does not elaborate. So, Nāyamātmā pravachanena labyaha na medhaya na bahuna sutena, Kathopanisha says, Mundakopanisha also says, this ātmā cannot be attained by pravachanam, pravachanam means by repeating. Or not nearly by listening or by memorizing and so on and so forth, by that you cannot gain this Atma. That doesn't mean that these things are not necessary. All of that is necessary. So tapaha, karma, mantra, yoga, all of these are necessary. When all the necessary preparations are there, well, all of them really shine out, all of them become fulfilled when the fire comes. So, and fire is a very beautiful illustration for knowledge also, because no, fire does other things also. Fire burns and fire illumines. So knowledge also burns impurities, ignorance and its impurities, and knowledge also illumines. <coughs> and the reason is very simple, because moksha is the attainment of the already attained. Because moksha is a fact. A fact is something to be discovered. A fact is that which doesn't have to be accomplished, a fact is that which doesn't have to be reached is something that has to be discovered. Moksha or liberation or freedom is a fact and therefore it has to be discovered. In fact, as will be said later, <coughs> that's the question next. Nanu karmanam vichitra shaktitvat karma eva kinchit agnanam nasaishyati kim atma jnanenaiti asankya. This is nanu karmanam vichitra shaktitvat. We know very well that action, different rituals and different kinds of actions have tremendous power, vichitra shakti. Vichitra means variety of powers this karma has. With rituals and with different actions we can accomplish lot of things. And uh, unpredictable powers also they have. So vichitra shakti twat, since karma has vichitra shakti, is a, karma has a power that is beyond our imagination also. And that being the case, karma eva kinchida, kinchit karma. Can there not be some karma? Can there not be some ritual? Can there not be some kind of an action? Or some kind of a meditation which can destroy this ignorance? Question. Is it not possible that somebody tomorrow will come up with some kind of a action? Some kind of a process? By which kinchit karma eva Ajnanam some kind of a karma or ritual, maybe that can destroy the ignorance. Kim Atma then why worry about the knowledge? 
Why worry about the knowledge of self when some kind of an action can possibly destroy this ignorance? Iti asankya. Karma jnana yoho virodha abhavat na evam ityaha avirodhita iti. He says it is not possible that any kind of an action, however exalted that action is, or however wonderful that action is, however amazing that action is, you know, even then that action cannot destroy ignorance. Because virodha abhavat karma jnana yoho agnana yoho virodha abhavat. Not karma jnana yoho, karma agnana yoho. That karma and agnanam, action and, and ignorance are not opposed to each other. The principle is very simple. A thing can be destroyed by something that is opposed to it. A thing cannot be destroyed by that which is friendly. A medicine that is opposed to a certain virus can destroy the virus. But some other virus which is friendly to this virus cannot destroy the virus. A disease can be destroyed by a medicine which is opposed to it. A disease cannot be destroyed by some other disease which is friendly to it. And therefore, in order to destroy something, you must bring a factor which is totally opposed to it. The simple rule. And so also, when you want to destroy ignorance, you must bring a factor that is opposed to ignorance. We say that karma or action or ritual is not opposed to ignorance. And therefore, no ritual or no activity can destroy ignorance. That point is made. In the third verse here. Avirodhitaya karma Navidyam vinivartaye Vidya vidyam nihantyeva Tejasti mirasanghavata Avirodhitaya karma na avidyam vinivartayet vidya avidyam nihanti eva tejaha timira sangavat avirodhitaya avirodhi unopposed avirodhitaya on account of being unopposed karma avidyam na vinivartayet karma means action or ritual avidyam navinivartayet it cannot destroy ignorance because karma is not opposed to ignorance avirodhitaya what will then destroy ignorance vidya avidyam nihanti eva on the other hand vidya knowledge will definitely destroy ignorance therefore the word is avidya avidya is what vidya virodhi ajnanam avidya is vidya virodhini or agnanam is jnana virodhi ignorance is that which is opposed to knowledge or that which cannot stand that's called pratyogi so when knowledge is there ignorance cannot stand so there is in the sense of opposition not in sense of absence although the word agnanam is often interpreted by some as jnana abhava ignorance is absence of knowledge just that kind of ignorance also is there but here the ignorance that we are talking about is that which is opposed to knowledge. <coughs> so, vidya avidyam nihantyeva, and this point again is illustrated by another example, tejaha timira sangavat. How light destroys timira sangha. Timira sangha means dense darkness. So how dense darkness is destroyed by light? Because light is opposed to darkness, and so also the knowledge destroys ignorance because it is opposed to ignorance. <coughs> but karma cannot do that. Action cannot do that. That's what the Tikakar explains. Ajnana rupam karma antakkarana malinya rupam kamakrodhadikam nashaitum nautsahade vidyadu prakasha rupatvat ajnanam nashaitum Tamaha teja punjahaiva kshamade ityasaha. Agnana rupam karma. This we discussed this morning itself. How karma or action is 
a product of ignorance. Interestingly, karma reveals when any action on my part reveals something. Karma or action is an effect. It has a certain cause. And so every effect reveals the nature of cause. Action reveals the nature of the cause. What does it reveal? It reveals a desire. Action always is a product of desire. I cannot do something unless there is a motivation to do. No action will be performed by me unless there is a motivation within. Otherwise I won't perform. Why should I do this? I am not interested in doing it. Why? Because there is nothing to achieve. So I can be motivated to perform action only when I expect to accomplish something. Otherwise action cannot proceed from me. And so prayojanam prayojanam anuddishya namandopi pravartate without prayojanam or without something to accomplish even a dull-headed person will not perform an action. And so action automatically is performed when there is something to accomplish. No Swamiji very often we perform action even if you don't want anything. Even if there is nothing to accomplish then also we perform. Then also something is accomplished. Why? Because non-performed action will perhaps create some difficulty. So most people work in the world, not because they care to work or they like to work, but they have to because if they don't, then they will not get what they want. And therefore sometimes to avoid some some unfavorable consequences, also we perform action, or sometimes to create favorable situation, we perform an action, whatever it is. But action is invariably performed with a certain prayojanam, with a certain purpose, that I want to accomplish something. So behind an action, there is always a sense of achievement or accomplishment or becoming or acquiring, so the desire is always there. And desire also is an effect. Just as karma is a product of desire, desire is product of something else. When there is a desire to achieve something or become something, accomplish something or acquire something, that shows a lack in my, on my part, that I don't have something and therefore I want it. Because nobody desires something that the person has. To say in Swami's words, nobody wants even God a hair on the shoulder. So this fellow performed a great penance and the Lord appeared before him. He says, what can I do for you? He says, please Lord, give me a hair over my shoulder. The Lord looks at him and says, I'm sorry, I can't do that. This is why I, I thought God is the one who is all-powerful and He can do anything. It says, yes, even though I am all-powerful, there is one thing I cannot do and that is to give you a head over your shoulder. Why? Because you already have one. And therefore, you cannot, I can't give you something that you already have. If you want something in the head, then I can give you, of course, but head itself I cannot give you. And so, we cannot seek something that is already with us. So, the seeking automatically shows a lack, a want in me. So, action springs from desire. Desire springs from a lack or a want or a sense of inadequacy or incompleteness. And that springs from what? The sense of inadequacy or incompleteness or want springs from ignorance of not knowing who I am, that I am the already accomplished one, I am already what I am seeking to be. <coughs> Free I already am, or limitless I already am. That fact is not known to me, and therefore I take myself to be a bound person or a limited being. Then arises the desire to become free from that sense of limitation, and from that arises action. So first is ignorance, which creates an erroneous notion that I am bound, I am limited, I am inadequate. No. Then immediately there is a desire to get rid of that inadequacy or the bondage or limitation. Then there is an action. So action comes ultimately from what? Desire is the father of action. And ignorance is the father of desire. So ignorance is the grandchild of, I mean karma or action is grandchild of ignorance. And therefore, how can it destroy ignorance? So that which is product of ignorance is very much so ignorant, the effect always contains the quality of the cause, or the cause always flows in and through the effect. And so ignorance which is the cause is definitely there in and through the desire, which is its effect, and that ignorance again is in and through the karma, which is the uh, second effect, 
and therefore the effect causes always are in the effect and therefore effect cannot destroy cause effect is not opposed to cause just as an ornament cannot destroy gold a clay part cannot destroy part because clay is very much in the part a part is nothing but clay and so also desire is nothing but ignorance ignorance appearing in a certain form alone is desire and that appearing in a certain form alone is called action so agnana rupam karma and therefore karma is of the nature of ignorance being the product of ignorance and therefore it cannot destroy ignorance you see it must be something opposed to it so karma cannot destroy whatever effort you make that very effort itself shows ignorance so the very seeking is the denial of the sort this you must have heard the very seeking is the denial of the sort seeking arises from a sense that i need something that i have to achieve something i have to experience something and that is the very denial of the sort because the sort is the very nature of the seeker the very search for the tenth man is a denial of the tenth man as long as the search goes on so long the tenth man is farther and farther away because action of searching the tenth man arises from ignorance of who i am that i am the tenth man and as long as the thing goes on so long the tenth man is father and father away so karma creates in fact a greater and greater distance between myself and myself and therefore how can karma that is born of ignorance how can it destroy ignorance it cannot so karma antahkrana malinya rupam kamakrodhadinam nashayitum now that's not right in fact karma can destroy the kamakrodhadikam that antahakana malinyam so antahakana malinyam means that malinata ragadvesha etc which is the malinata which is impurity in the heart can definitely be removed by karma because karma perform in a in a certain manner so karma perform according to order or dharma becomes a means for destruction of the products of adharma so dharma is opposed to adharma order is opposed to disorder renunciation is opposed to acquiring so an act of renunciation neutralizes the effect that is acquired that is accumulated by an act of acquiring an act of dharma neutralizes the, the effect of something that is created out of adharma so yes action also has a certain role to play that action performed on the basis of dharma does destroy or eliminate the products of adharma what we call durita or ragadveshas that it does but it always perpetuates the duality without duality there cannot be karma without karta there cannot be karma first thing that karma requires is karta the agent it requires a sense of doership i cannot perform an action unless i have a sense of doership sense of agency and that doership itself is what a notion about i doership itself is a conclusion about i born of ignorance and so unless ignorance is there kartrutvam cannot be unless kartrutva is there karma cannot be so karma cannot destroy kartrutva that's that's definite action can never destroy the one who performs action action cannot be performed unless there is someone to perform the action and therefore that action will perpetuate the agent of the action the karta or the agent will be perpetuated by the action itself and as long as the karta is there so long ignorance is there because that karta or the agent himself is a product of ignorance because it's a notion and so karma can never destroy duality karma can never destroy karta karma also requires duality duality of the the one who performs the action and the means of action and what is to be achieved so all unless the duality is there karma cannot be performed duality again is a product of ignorance and therefore karma which involves a karta which involves duality which involves a desire which involves sense of inadequacy all of that so cannot be destroyed by karma so karma can never destroy jnanam <coughs> vidyadu prakash rupatvat vidya on the other hand prakash rupatvat being of the nature of prakash being of the nature of light agnyanam nashaitum utsate kshamate and 
Agnanam being of ignorance, being of the nature of a comparative darkness, and knowledge, which is comparable to light, is definitely opposed to ignorance and therefore can destroy ignorance. Teja punjaha tamahiva. Teja punjaha, just as this, this mark of light, means this light, how it destroys ignorance and so also knowledge can destroy, how, how light destroys darkness, so the knowledge can destroy ignorance. It's just that. <coughs> Om Purnamadas Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashishyade Om Shantishantishantihi Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashya Sutau Vande Bhagavanta Punapunaha Ishvaro Guru Ratmedi